How much money will you need in retirement adjusted for inflation? Today on Your Money, Your Wealth podcast number 431, Joe and Big Al spitball on your future dollars, as well as how to calculate the tax on Roth conversions and the benefits of converting in down markets. Plus, should retirement savings contributions be half pre-tax and half post-tax? And finally, saving to a 529 plan for your kids or sending them to Hollywood stunt training camp? Which would you do? If you've got money questions, comments, suggestions, or stories, visit yourmoneyyourwealth.com and click Ask Joe and Al on air to send them in. I'm producer Andy Last, and here are the hosts of Your Money, Your Wealth, Joe Anderson, CFP, and Big Al Clopine, CPA. I got Jared from Clifton Park, New York. Hey, gang, love the podcast. Been listening for six months. All right, new listener. I estimate I need $40,000 per year to maintain my current lifestyle. Would like to bag work in about 15 years. But you'd like to bag work? I haven't yeah. heard that. Yeah, that's a good one. Uh, I.e., that means quit. I can't wait to bag work. <laughs> uh, what would your portfolio value need to be in future inflated dollars? Okay, currently, so $40,000 a year. He wants to bag work in 15 years. Right. So how much money does he need? Is that what he's asking? Yep. I already did the math. So, so Joe, the, uh, if you take a 3% inflation, uh, 40,000 is in 15 years is 62 grand, three and a half percent, 67 grand. So let's just say 65 grand is your spend. And we don't know how old he is, so that makes it a little bit more difficult, but I'm going to just say three and a half percent distribution rate, because I think. Two and a half million bucks. Well, I got 1.9 because I think he's going to be close to 60 based upon his wife's age. So I'm kind of reading between the lines. You haven't got there yet, Joe, but that's that's what I'm thinking. Got it. So yeah. Yeah. Okay. So let's just say between 2 million and two and a half, but that doesn't consider any other kind of fixed income like pensions, social security. There's there's a lot more that we don't really know. All right, I'll continue on. Currently have $357,000 in a 401k, $175,000 in a Roth, $27,000 in a brokerage account. I max out my Roth each year. Defer 23% of my wages that vary from year to year. We'll make about $70,000 this year. 23%, that's a pretty high number. That's very high. I have $100,000 left on my mortgage, rate is 3.25. Uh, contribute $2,500 a year to my 13-year-old's 529 plan. So if this was my scenario, I would be like 75. <laughs> wow, you're really spending a lot of time thinking about that age as, as a father thing, aren't you? <laughs> yeah, it's a two-year-old. It's like, oh my God, I didn't know. Uh, wife has pension and maxes out her Roth. Okay? She'll be eligible to bag work at 55. But I'll keep her working longer for health insurance, hopefully. Oh, Jared. (laughs) Okay. We drive a 2015 Ford F-150, have a nine-year-old Terrier mixed mutt rescue. Drink of choice is a German Hefeweizen. Enjoy pronouncing that. Um, How about that, Jared? Surprised you. Would love to hear a number that you guys come up with. All right. Well, you need two and a half. Let's call it on the high side. Probably um, real high side because he probably has Social Security, and if he's only wanting to spend forty grand, he makes 
roughly 70 to whatever, say, you know, his social security is going to at least cover half that. I would think so. But his wife is working. We don't know her salary. She has a pension. We don't know what that is. We don't know what the social security is. We don't know how old you are. So it makes it a little bit hard of a question to ask. But I would I would agree with you, Joe. Two and a half million is probably the, on the high side. It's probably lower when you consider wife's pension, when you consider social security. He's got $560,000. Yeah. He saves um, $16,000 a year. That's 20% of his income. Yeah. Right. Yeah. What's that come out to be 15 years? I got there. Then we got 16,000 there. We got 15 years. What do you want to do? 7%, 6%? Do seven. 7% growth rate. Future value there's 1.975. There you go. You're kind of on track. Based are, upon based upon the assumptions we're making. Yeah. Given the numbers that we got, um, and this is total hypothetical, but yeah, if you get 7%, <laughs> you keep saving 23% of your income or $16,000 a year with the amount of money that you save over the next 15 years, you should have close to $2 million. And uh, yeah, back of the envelope, it looks like you're in uh, pretty good shape, Jared. Yeah. Yeah, I guess another factor, Joe, it, it looks like maybe he and his wife have separate money because he's he's saying he needs 40000 per year to maintain his lifestyle. So we're assuming his wife is covered for her lifestyle with her pension and yeah. her savings. So I guess we make that assumption, too. Well, he's going to make her work longer and get that yeah. health insurance. Yeah, yeah. Yeah. Well, you could bag it. <laughs> Put it in the bag, Jared. <laughs> Put that retirement right in that bag. Hello, YMYW family. Mark is from Queens, New York City. Long-time listener, first-time emailer. Uh, first all up the show, I listen to it daily. Married couple, 27, 28, asking for some spitball on how to maximize our financial situation. We have a three-year-old mini poodle, and wifey drives a Tesla Model Y. I just got her on the YMYW podcast, and she loves it. Killing it. Way to go, big Al. <laughs> and Mr. Joe, here's our situation. Okay, W two income three hundred thousand dollars evenly split. I have a ten ninety nine job that brings in about sixty thousand dollars. Currently, we are both maxing out our four three B contributions plan to the max. We both don't have the you know what, and I always felt like it would be too much of a hassle given the fact that we needed to do the backdoor traditional to Roth. After listening to your podcast, now I feel like such an idiot for never opening up a Roth IRA and doing the yearly backdoor. Got to do the yearly backdoor, Big Al. If you qualify, yes. And, you know, you're in your 20s. It's not too late. We own our home in NYC with about $800,000 in equity and $400,000 mortgage, 3.65% fixed, 25 years, no other debt. We plan to live here for the next five to 10 years. After all, mortgage, cars, living expenses, we all are saving on an average of 10K and are basically funding it into our Vanguard brokerage account. Current brokerage account is 300,000 bucks. Okay, 403B has around $100,000 together. The 403B plan doesn't have great options. So ours are in a simple tax deferred 2060. So that's a- Target date a fund. Target date fund. Uh, thanks, Andy. Um, we plan on continuing to max our 403B and beginning to realize 
account will have some serious taxes upon withdrawals, RMDH. He's worried about RMDH. He's in his 20. 20s. Yeah. yeah. Well, you got to think ahead. Yeah, he's a planner. Because, you know, by age 75, <laughs> they're going to be high. <laughs> Uh, for my 1099 job, I've been contributing to the SEP IRA to around 25% of my net. Wife would like to retire at around age 45. Oh, wifey's a little fire girl. Uh, we expect our yearly expenses at retirement to be about $150,000 to $200,000. Both jobs will have a pension that will likely add at least $40,000 to fixed income at retirement each. I plan to work on 255 and hopefully retire on the sunny island of Maui. Wow, you were just there. I was just there. I was on the sunny island of Maui. I understand we are in a very privileged situation and would like to take the most of our finances. If there's anything we are missing, and do you have friendly conversations on what else we should be doing? Thank you guys for amazing podcasts and Andy's random comments. It's hilarious. I have learned so much and will continue to listen for as long as you guys are hosting. Thanks again. With love from NYC. Wow. wow, That's very sweet. Just made my heart (laughs) go pitter pat. Thanks, Marcus. He's got $300,000 of W-2 income. So they're making $360,000 a year. They're maxing out the 403B plans, right? They got $100,000 in 403B plans together. $300,000 $300,000 in the brokerage account. So they got 400,000 all day. Does that make sense? That makes sense. Yep. Okay. And then there's 27, 28 and he, and she wants to retire at 44 and he's going to retire at 55. Yep. So he's got about 30 years and she's got around yeah, got about 20 ish, something like that. Okay. But they want to live off 150 to $200,000 a year. Right. Uh, they're going to have some pensions um, at 40, but I don't think a pension is going to pay out at, yeah, I don't, I don't, 45 years old. I don't think so either. So I think what their plan, so she's going to retire before him. So he's going to work that extra 10 years, which presumably would cover their living expenses, but perhaps they wouldn't be saving as much. So basically they have a little less than 20 years to save a bunch. So Marcus, you're leaving out a couple of things that we need here to have a little friendly conversation or a little spitball. I, we need to know how much you're spending, bud. Right? Well, because that, that, that kind of drives how you back in the numbers. For instance, if you're spending $60,000 a year, right. And you want to retire at, she wants to retire at 44 and, but you're making $150,000 W2 and $60,000, right. The only thing that's really going to be adjusted is probably how much money that you're saving in your brokerage account. So whatever dollar that you're saving or spending, right. You just index that with inflation. So at age 44, okay, you're still good, but your savings rate is going to go down. Or you go to age 55, that 60,000 in 20 years from now is like more or less $100,000, right? But you want to spend 150 to $200,000 in retirement. So does that mean at your retirement or does that mean her retirement? And because is, then that's going to dictate how much that you can actually save. Right. Because and, and is that in current dollars or is that in 20 you, years you, from now or 30 years from now? Because l- let's just say he, he wants to spend $150,000 and they want that $150,000 at his retirement. So that's what, 30 years from now? Yeah, right? almost. So if I'm looking at that 30 years and let's just assume three and a half percent inflation, right? So that's 421000 and he's at 55 and you don't want to take out any more than 3% out of the portfolio at that age, at yeah. that age. So you need 14 million. 
That's a, that's a big, big number. Right. Because you're not, you're probably not going to, well, I'm, you know, maybe he, they will be getting some pensions by then, but still it's minimal compared to what the need is. Right. Because 200,000 given inflation in 30 years is 400 grand. Right. Yeah. Right. And you take 3%, you divide that into $400,000. It's, it's a huge number. Now that's if this is in current day dollars, if it's in future dollars, then it's not quite as Yeah. Bad. So if you want $150,000 in future dollars, right? So now you need 5 million bucks. You already have $400,000 saved. Right. And then you got 30 years and let's say you get 7% on your money and you save $50,000 a year. Right. Now that's $8 million. Yeah. So, I mean, he's, so you, you could run the numbers any way that you want. You're sure. very fortunate because you, 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 you have huge resources in regards to how much money that they make. Right. Right. So I don't even know what the hell the question is. <laughs> he just wants to know if he's on track, if there's anything that they're missing, missing, anything, missing anything, anything else they should be doing. And I, I think the answer is you're saving a ton, which is going to allow you flexibility in the future. And in terms of, it's just a matter of really kind of dialing this in. What Because we don't know if the 150 or 200 is in today's dollars or future dollars, because that makes a huge difference. Because as Joe just said, $200,000 in 30 years from now is going to be like 425 or whatever number you came, with, came up with. So right. it's going to be double. It's a big number. Yeah. So then the amount of money that you have to save to get there is going to change significantly unless you're like, Hey, I want, you know, 150 in future dollars is fine too. Now they are saving a full uh, 403B as well as about 120,000 because they're saving about 10,000 a month or is that 10,000 a year in their brokerage account? The, Probably, must be 10,000 a month because they already have 300,000 in it. Yeah. So if they're, so if they're spending, you know, saving 200,000 bucks a year, so, right? I'd say, no, I'd say 150. Pl- yeah, 150. It's a good number. All right. So they're saving 150 a year. They already have $400,000 saved. Let's say you got 20 years for wifey to retire. So that's $8 million. Yeah. In 20 years, you take 3% of that. It's $250,000 of income that yeah. can be produced. Yeah. And if he's still going to work for another 10 years. Right. You don't take the income from that. That's right. going to continue it, to grow for another 10 years. And you, you don't save anymore. Yeah, yeah. Maybe you don't even have to save anymore because you got 8 million growing. It. That, that's going to turn into 16 in 10 years. Potentially it could, it could double. Right. Sure. So yeah, I think Marcus, you're on track. Dial in exactly how much you need in future inflated dollars in retirement and what your shortfall is just by following the simple steps in Big Al's Quick Retirement Calculation Guide, which you can download from the podcast show notes. It does require you to do a little math, so we'll understand if you'd prefer to just click Ask Joe and Big Al on air in the show notes and let them spitball it for you. But make sure you tell the fellas how much you make and save and spend and how much you'll need to spend in retirement for a more accurate spitball. And by the way, Marcus's question originally aired in episode 373. And if you'd like to go back and listen to the whole thing, including the related derails, it's also linked in the podcast show notes. Click the link in the description of today's episode in your favorite podcast app to get there. Talking money, finance, wealth, booze. Yeah, dogs, cars. Yep. We get a little bit of everything. And Hawaii. Yes, Hawaii. And, and you know what? We love your questions and the colors because it, it sort of puts us in the in the right frame of mind as to where you live, kind of what you're all about, where you're listening to our show. That's why we ask you what you drink, because some people like to listen to us while they're drinking. So that's yeah. why that originally came up. 
Yeah, myself. He likes to do the show while uh, he's drinking. Although, although we do enjoy drinking as well. I will throw that in. We got Robin. She emailed Andy. Is this a personal friend? No, she's not. She actually had originally replied to one of our newsletters and said, can you just answer a general Roth conversion question for me? And I said, go ahead and send it to me and I will get it in front of the guys. And then this is how she replied. Okay. We all know that there is tax for Roth conversions. I was looking for how to calculate it. I think I figured it out. I thought I could get away with no tax if stocks were losers, but I think the dollar amount transferred is still counted as income to be taxed. Is that correct? That is correct, Robin. Ding, ding, ding. <laughs> um, so if if there's losers in stocks, Al, um, that's a capital loss. Yeah, and, and capital losses only offset capital gains. Capital gain being... Like if you sell a stock or mutual fund at a gain, if you have capital losses, you can offset those against them. You could also use it against real estate. If you sold real estate for a gain, that's a capital gain. You can use your stock losses against that. But that's only one category. That's capital. Uh, most items are ordinary income, uh, which this is. A Roth conversion is considered ordinary income, same as salary, right? Same as dividends, interest, pension. All those are ordinary income, and they they are they stand on their own. In other words, you can't deduct your capital losses against ordinary income. And I would say the way that you calculate the best way, <laughs> maybe the most difficult, is get yourself a tax projection software, and put your tax return in best that you think it will be, and then put the Roth in conversion and take it out and see what the difference is. But a quicker way is to take a look at your marginal tax bracket, uh, which you have to go to your tax return taxable income line, look at what that is, go to the tax table, look at your marginal rate, and then that's the rate uh, most likely that you'll multiply that Roth conversion by to get what your tax will be. You have to do that for federal and state. Okay. So yeah, hopefully she can figure that out. A couple of things though, you know, we talk about doing conversions when stocks are losers or stocks are down because you want the recovery of the overall stock market to happen in the Roth. So let's say you have an account and it's down 20%, hypothetically. And you might want to consider converting those dollars because they're down in value, right? Maybe it's a mutual fund. Maybe it's an ETF. If it's a falling knife, you know, if you, you, you have some high flyer stock that could go to zero, maybe not the best choice. But if the market is overall down and you do a conversion and the market recovers, well, you got 20% more or you got a 20% discount, if you will, on tax by converting when the market's down. And so maybe she got it confused by saying, well, if if you said if there's stocks that are down or losers, you know, and I did a conversion, that might offset. You still want to do conversions when the market's down. It's the best time to do a conversion because all the recovery of the overall market will grow into the Roth IRA, which will be 100% tax-free. Most people get paralyzed when the markets are down, but there's a ton of tax strategy that they should be looking at in regards to volatile markets, I guess. Yeah, that's that's well said, Joe, because that's actually the best time is when the market's lower, because when the market's lower, then it's got a higher expected return in the future. In other words, you're buying stocks while they're cheaper or buying mutual funds, better yet, or ETFs, index funds while they're cheaper. You still have to pay the tax, though, but the tax won't seem as bad if you buy 
let's just say you do $80,000 of Roth conversion and within a year or two, it's up to 100,000. It kind of takes a little bit of the sting out of the tax in that you've got now 20,000 extra in a Roth IRA, which will be forever tax-free. You got it. All right, we got John Brown. He writes in from Nevada. Hey, please use the name John Brown or some other made-up name. My question is, in regards to Roth versus traditional contributions, uh, wife and I are in our late 30s. Uh, she makes $100,000, and my income fluctuates between $250,000 and $350,000. Our current assets are $240,000 in a Roth, $150,000 in a traditional, five hundred dollars in company stock and after-tax brokerage accounts, $230,000 in equity in a rental property, $50,000 in cash. My 401k offers a Roth option which I was contributing to, but changed last year in an effort to try to get to a 50-50 Roth and traditional balance and reduce how much we are paying in taxes. Is it a good idea to aim for a 50-50 split? We both max out our 401ks each year and have the extra income to pay the taxes now. Everyone always leaves out some crucial information that you need, but hopefully I've covered most of it. Well, besides your name, John Brown. Okay, I drive a Jeep Grand Cherokee and listen to your show as I drive around making sales calls. Hopefully he gets a good deal after listening to this. Yeah, right. He's sitting right in front of the house. I wonder if he's like door-to-door sales guy or do you think he's going to companies probably B2B? Oh, I think, yeah, I think he's B2B. I think that's Those how most sales people rings. are. <laughs> yeah, shark, I don't know, maybe a vacuum or something? Or <laughs> I don't think so. Jeep <laughs> it's got to uh, be B2B. <laughs> It's like he's getting pumped up for this big sales call coming up here. <laughs> uh, depending on the occasion, I could be sipping on a little Maker's 46 neat. All right. I kind of like that. Nice red wine or Grey Goose martini straight up with blue cheese olives. Martini snobs frown on this type of olive in drink because it creates an oily sheen on the top. They can go pound sand. I'm drinking it, not you. That's right, John Brown. I'll have one with you. I've learned a lot and always look forward to the next episode. Thanks in advance for your spitball. All right. 50-50 split. Big Al, what do you think? Yeah, I think I think that's fine. Here, here's a couple of thoughts off the top of my head. So depending upon whether your John Brown's salary is 250 or 350 plus his wife's salary, he's uh, they're going to either be in the 24% bracket or 33% bracket. So, um, but at age or late thirties, I would yeah. say chances are income's only going up. I would be probably inclined that I would I would go all Roth because I probably will be in the in the twenty four percent bracket. And I think my I'm guessing that my income's only going to go up, and I'd want to get the Roth in now, particularly because the compounding effect on Roth IRA is tax free. That's that's probably what I would do. So there's no right percentage, in my opinion. I think there's percentages that. I mean, just back of the envelope rule of thumbs you can kind of throw out there. But tax diversification is really depending on what John Brown's income is going to be in the future, right? Because he's in a fairly high tax bracket today. But let's say in 20 years from now, he wants to retire. And we don't know how much John Brown is spending. We just know that he makes a lot of money and he saves a lot of money. So again, yes, John, you've you've lived left out some crucial information here for us to kind of do a proper <laughs> spitball, but it depends on how much that he's making, right? Because tax diversification gives you optionality 
in a withdrawal strategy. So a lot of times people have most of their income or most of their assets in a retirement account that is always going to be subject to ordinary income. And so depending on if they if they have a fairly modest lifestyle, well, then that money compounds in the overall retirement account. And then once they hit the required minimum distribution age, then they're forced to pull a lot of that money out that might kick them into higher tax brackets. On the other hand, if someone's spending a ton of money, right, then it's like, all right, well, here, yeah, I want IRA money, but then I also want Roth money to keep me out of those higher tax brackets. So there's a little bit more sophistication, I think, to go along with how you want to look at this. But I think if you want a real simple answer, I don't think it's 50-50. You look at your tax bracket. If you're in the 24% tax bracket, go 100% Roth because you're 30 and you make good money and you're saving a ton of money. You already said you have the money to pay the tax. So I wouldn't worry about 50-50. I'd go 100% contributions into my Roth. Yeah, same here. And I think it, it's hard to know exactly what tax bracket you're going to be in because his his uh, salary is variable. And I would answer this differently if John Brown was 60, but John Brown's 39. So I, I would tend to 100% Roth too, because chances are most or all of that deduction that you would have gotten is in the 24% bracket, which is it's not nothing, but it compared to the 37% bracket and 33, 35% bracket, it's a low bracket. So I'd want to get the money in right now. 2026, the rates go up. You probably be in the 28% bracket or even subject to alternative minimum tax, uh, which could be as high as 35%. I just think that at least for the next two, three years, I would go all Roth and then reevaluate. That's what I would do. Yeah, because he's 2432. Uh, Bracket-wise, the top of the 24% tax bracket is 364000 of taxable income. Yep. So it depends on if he's on the 350 or 250 range. If he's yep. on the 250 range plus his wife's income plus, you know, the standard deduction and so on, he'd be in the 24. I'd go wrong. Right. That's then right. If he's got a higher earning year, then you kind of play with it. Maybe you do a little bit of pre-tax and then maybe the restaurant. The, the other factor, too, is uh, he's already got a lot of money in Roth, so he's already got a great start, right? So it's not like he has to go extreme, like he's got nothing in it. Now, for example, if the income's going to be 350 for the next three years, you might think about that a little bit differently. Maybe you want the tax deduction, or maybe you want to do some Roth, just a smaller amount. And it's, I agree with you, Joe. There's no particular percentage, per se. It's, it's, it's kind of your ability and willingness to pay the tax. Some people can do it. You know, The people that can look longer term, have an easier time of paying it. The people that cringe over the dollars going out at that exact moment have a lot harder time with that. You know, I got a buddy. Let's call him Jay Brown. <laughs> okay. Jacob. It, it, he's in a, a, a fairly high tax bracket, a little bit older than John Brown. Yeah. But we go 100% Roth IRA. Let's say they're in the 37% tax bracket, goes 100% Roth IRA because the tax deduction today that you're getting the amount of compounding of tax-free growth, you're, you're going to forget about the tax deduction anyway. And you're not going to save the money that you've saved in tax. So, I mean, for me, people in their 20s and 30s and even 40s, I think it makes a lot more sense to have 100% tax-free growth. It takes the uncertainty of where tax rates are going to go totally out the table. So I know scientifically you want to look at things, but I think emotionally and at the end of the day, they're going to be a lot happier when they look at their account balance and they got millions in a Roth versus millions in a retirement account. Yeah, particularly if, if you're the type of person that by the time you get your net pay, you spend it. 
So if you get that tax deduction, you're just going to spend it. You might as well go Roth for savings. You'll be in a much better spot later on. You can download 10 Steps to Improve Investing Success for free from the podcast show notes right now for guidance on how to invest those Roth contributions wisely. Following the key investing principles in this guide will broaden your investment universe and help you control your emotions and your risk, which can lead to higher returns in your portfolio and retiring with more wealth. Take your investing skills to the next level. Click the link in the description of today's episode in your favorite podcast app, go to the show notes, and download 10 Steps to Improve Investing investing success for free. You'll find it right before the episode transcript. Got Mike from Ithaca, New York. A lot of New Yorkers this week. Yeah. That's where we're getting all the one star. (laughs) Um, Hey there, everyone. My family and I are on our way to America's Credit Union Museum in New Hampshire. It was the first credit union in the U.S. That sounds like a great trip. You know, if I were uh, Mike's kids, I would just be jumping up and down. Uh, I think I got to (laughs) go. My kids are 13 and 10, and both of them came with us on this exciting family vacation. Currently playing a couple of your older episodes in the car for everyone to listen on our way there. So between our episodes and the destination, (laughs) kids, we got a great trip planned. (laughs) God. Feel sorry for those kids. Oh, man, that's funny. Now to my question. I currently make about $150,000 a year. My wife is a stay-at-home homeschool teacher for our children. I'm trying to figure out if sending them to this Hollywood stunt training camp for kids is the best thing to do. I currently Yes, have a- that's just the answer. <laughs> I currently have about $10,000 in a 529 plan for both children. Uh, but... They have both told me they want to be actors or entertainers when they grow up, and they don't see themselves wanting to go to college. The camp costs $7,000 per child for the entire summer. I'm just not sure if I should send them to this camp or just continue to saving for their future education on the 529. I should add that I do have the money to do it if you think it would be beneficial in some way. Thank you guys for your thoughts, and I look forward to hearing them. I also want to say I drive a 2012 Honda Odyssey as the family car. No pets, highly allergic. Drink of choice is Red Bull mixed with some ice cold bourbon. Love me some extra energy. All right. Kung Fu camp. <laughs> yeah. Wow. What do you think? You're, you're a new dad. Is that, would you do that? I'm definitely sending my kids to Kung Fu <laughs> camp. Can, can you use 529 plan for going to stunt training? I don't think you can use a five plan for um, the camp of being a stunt double of some sort. Yeah, you cannot. I don't know. I think that sounds like fun. (laughs) So me personally, I I would not do it. I would get them enrolled in youth theater locally and put the money in a 529 plan. They're only 10 and 13. Things change by the time they get to college age. That's that's what I would do trying to be the sensible dad. You you would be you would be the cool dad though. You would send him, and you would say, you know what? You can go every summer. I would try to enroll myself. <laughs> Looking at what community theater? Oh, that just sounds so boring. No, youth. It's a youth. It's for kids. Youth theater. They have them in San Diego. They have them in every town. Really? Did you say yeah. there? No, because they weren't interested. However, my two nieces. 
Todd's kids, they they both were in youth theater for a decade. Really? Did they make it? Uh, they uh, no. However, the oldest daughter uh, is going to try out for a adult play. So mm-hmm. now that she's just finished college. Okay, an adult play. I thought that was no. <laughs> oh, I see what you mean. Uh, yeah, I said that. I didn't say that well. <laughs> well, yeah, boy, <laughs> the wheels really came out there. <laughs> yeah, so that's a little. That's slippery. what happens when you go to community theater. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, for sure. Then you have no filter. <laughs> uh, all right. Anything else? Nope, that's it. All right. We'll see you next week. Show's got your money well. Speculating on John Brown, Hefeweizen, America's Credit Union Museum, and Wall Drug in the derails, so stick around. Help new listeners find YMYW by leaving your honest reviews and ratings for Your Money, Your Wealth in Apple Podcasts and any other podcast app that accepts them. For example, Amazon, Audible, CastBox, Good Pods, Pandora, Player FM, Podcast Addict, Podchaser, Podknife, Spotify, Stitcher. If I missed any, email me and let me know. Your Money, Your Wealth is presented by Pure Financial Advisors. Click the Get an Assessment button in the podcast show notes at yourmoneyyourwealth.com or call 888 888- 994-6257 and schedule a free financial assessment in person at one of our seven offices around the country or online. Either way, at a date and time convenient for you. Chances are one of the experienced financial professionals at Pure will be able to identify strategies to help you create a more successful retirement. Pure Financial Advisors is a registered investment advisor. This show does not intend to provide personalized investment advice through this broadcast and does not represent that the securities or services discussed are suitable for any investor. Investors are advised not to rely on any information contained in the broadcast in the process of making a full and informed investment decision. John Brown, is that any significance or is that just really common? Anyone? If I do a Google search, John Brown comes up. The top thing is that he was an abolitionist, American abolitionist leader. Okay. Okay. Yeah, I, I would say it's just a random name if I was guessing. Johnny Brown. There it is. (laughs) <laughs> uh, do you think it's, it's like let's say he gave his real name I mean, we only get six listeners <laughs> and five of them give us a one star rating anyway so well maybe he thinks that all of Nevada is listening <laughs> they're going to figure it out they're going to figure him out they're going to find him I wonder if like maybe he's got some buddies that listen to this show too and he's like yeah He's going, I'm going to ask a question, but I'm it's gonna not going to be question, but not going to be my name. I'm going to use I'm going to use John Brown, but he doesn't say that, right? <laughs> or else he would just use his real name. Yeah, right. That could be, or uh, maybe um, maybe his wife listens and he doesn't want her to know. You know what? In reading ahead, I'm betting that his friends are going to know who he is anyway. Wait until you get to his drink. All okay. Right. All right. Great Goose Martini, straight up with blue cheese olives. Blue cheese olives. I'm a big fan of blue cheese olives. Martini olives. Oh, yeah. Oh, yeah. Um, I'm banned from drinking martinis, though. From... Why is that? Did they have an experience? I guess so. <laughs> um, Wait, by whom? Uh, the missus. Aha. I don't drink vodka all that often. And so we were out to dinner, and I was having these martinis with the blue cheese olives. It was... tasted good, didn't it? Oh, yeah. I like that. He's <laughs> olive, man. Being Johnny Brown. <laughs> probably get a little lit up. Yeah, right. Yeah. We're kind of at this fancy restaurant. My wife ordered some dish that, like, it was seafood, but it moved or something. And (laughs) I said something rude to the effect of you're eating something that's alive. 
got it. And that that did it. You're, yeah, you're banned from martinis. Yeah, it was probably a little bit more than that, but you get the gist. <laughs> I'm reading between the lines. I'm pretty sure it was a little more than that. Yes, 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 yes. So, so don't I, you think his friends are probably going? I know exactly who that guy is. Guaranteed. He tells me to pound sand. Guaranteed. Yep, yep, yep. Yes, I can. Hey, gang, love the podcast. Been listening for six months. All right, new listener. Uh, I wonder how long he's going to last. <laughs> Depends on how you answer I, his question. <laughs> I think uh, I think six months is pretty long term. <laughs> Don't you? <laughs> People fizzle out quickly. <laughs> Drink of choice is a German Hefeweizen. Enjoy pronouncing that. Oh. How about that, Fred? Surprised you. Uh, we kind of figured that you'd probably get it because it's alcohol. <laughs> yeah. Trust me. If that was like a city, I'd be like, what the? <laughs> Yeah, like what if that was a German city, but not that name? Yeah. <laughs> you would be, what's well, that? Be, yeah, I would not be in good shape. A lot of Yorkers this week. Yeah. That's where we're getting all the one star. Because <laughs> we, we, we have a West Coast vibe, maybe? They don't really like it out there? I don't know. You're definitely West Coast. I'm more Midwest. Yeah, you're kind of somewhere half between. Yeah. In fact, hey, I'm, way, I'm, way, I'm way West right now. I'm in Hawaii as we speak. When do you come back? Uh, Friday. So it's oh. just a few days. Okay. Just in time for you to leave. Yeah. We get to go to Arkansas. I oh, know. Fun. That's that sounds fun. That sounds great, doesn't it? Yeah. Really Midwest. Yeah. No offense to anyone that lives in Arkansas. <laughs> <laughs> oh, know. we got a picture Andy brought up. Oh, there's the America's Credit Union Museum. Wow. It's like okay. going to Wall Drug. <laughs> <laughs> you guys ever been to Wall Drug? No. No? Do you, have you heard of Wall Drug? Yes. I've not been I have there. not. You have not? South Dakota. You ever been to Mount Rushmore? No. Uh, the Badlands? Dead I have blood? not. Not no. been out there. Yeah, growing up in Minnesota, that's a very popular little vacation spot. You get in the old station wagon, and then you, you just kind of head west, and you stop there in South Dakota. And then there's signs every, like, 30 seconds. Giant signs of Wall Drug. So... Yeah. Is it a museum? Is it like it's a, dr- there- a drugstore? That's all it is, I think. I don't know. I was a kid. I don't know what it it's is. It's not historical or any kind of landmark or anything like that. It's just it's a very. But large- that's where you go on vacation. It's a very large. Well, no, you, you go through <laughs> that. You see the signs for Wall Drug, and then you go to you know see Mount Rushmore, and you see Mount Rushmore. They have you know pictures of presidents. Yeah, so- yeah. Yeah. I I uh, I was uh, I think I was four or five years old when I was at Mount Rushmore and it was covered in clouds, so I didn't get to see the faces. Yeah, my sister just went, and so she sent me a picture too. Yeah, same she thing. Young kids and yeah, yeah. it's all cloudy. <laughs> so oh well. 